Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The following program is brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio. Begin to be poured out upon all men. <laughs> this is there. Spoken by the prophet Joel. This is there. Spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I pour out my spirit. Save the Lord. Good evening, everyone. This is the Tell It Like It Is radio show. I'm Matt Ramsey sitting in for Pastor Bob Simons tonight. And uh, want to uh, tonight we're going to be looking at some scriptures. I've got a, a topic that I want to uh, share with you. Um, first, I want to take a moment to invite you to church. We are at the Old Elks Building. I believe that's 501 Elks Drive. 
And um, if you're familiar with Dickinson, it's a very familiar uh, building right there just off the highway. It's kind of by um, uh, El Sombrero and this type of thing. But we have services every Wednesday and Sunday night. Or I'm sorry, every Wednesday night and every Sunday. So Wednesday night we have services at 730. And then on Sunday we have a 10 o'clock Sunday school adult Bible study uh, you can send your kids off to different classes, and then as the adults, they get they kind of break up into different rooms because uh, we have a, a, a rather large crowd. So we you know we put half and half type of thing and do a little Bible study, and then at eleven o'clock we have an adult worship service, and so that's Wednesday and Sunday. And um, tonight, if you did want to go ahead and and contact uh, Pastor Simons, we can hook you up with a ride if you have any questions. His cell phone number is 701-290-7862. Tonight, I'm going to read you a psalm. That's uh, Psalms in the Bible are, you know, uplifting. They are, um, uh, a lot of people, you know, uh, the poetry of the Bible, source of inspiration. Um, This one has always spoke to me. I remember um, I wasn't raised believing like I believe now. I wasn't raised in the church, as as we might say. Um, but as a young man, uh, you know, learning about God, sort of struggling to, to live for God in the world that we live in, um, when this was, I remember, I remember the the place I was at. I remember the night that I heard this preached just before a service. So it was actually the song leader came up and just very quickly um, read this psalm and kind of commented on it. And that was probably maybe 20 years ago. And it had an impact on me. And of course, since then, I'd I'd read that psalm. I've read this psalm over and over and just um, meditated on it, thought about the words and, and what the person was going through when he wrote it. And I'm going to share this with you tonight. And this is Psalm 73. It's a Psalm of Asaph. So this was possibly one of the, you know, the, the minstrels, or I don't know if he was a priest. I really don't know who Asaph was. The Bible doesn't give us a lot of information on him, but he wrote a Psalm. And he starts off uh, in Psalm 73, verse 1, and says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. And it starts off so far so good, right? I mean, this is the kind of thing that we read in Psalms, talking about the goodness of God, um, his wonderful works, and so on. But then it goes on. It takes a very sharp turn, a very quick turn. uh, And he says in verse 2, But as for me, my feet were almost gone, and my steps had well nigh slipped. Uh, We might say in uh, the modern uh, sort of, in our, in our church language and our lingo, that um, he was, he almost backslid, backslid. He was almost backslidden. He says, because for him, it wasn't, you know, drink, it wasn't women, it wasn't drugs, it wasn't worldly entertainment. In verse 3, we learn that for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He started to look around and he saw how people were living that weren't godly people. And he saw that 
there were no lightning bolts falling from heaven. And he gets into this a little bit uh, in more detail here uh, as we go through this. God wasn't smiting these people. They were prosperous. And I'm immediately thinking, now when I heard this about 20 years ago, we didn't have things like TikTok, but we did have, you know, um, the the reality TV. We did have these celebrities who were famous for being famous, this type of thing. This was long before individuals like the Kardashians and, and, and this type of thing. But, you know, I remember thinking about all the 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 people, the the celebrities, the the people that I used to look to look up to at that time, and the people that were on the covers of magazines. On you know, um, I don't I don't believe YouTube was the thing, but you know, nowadays we'd say on on YouTube, on TikTok, all the influencers, and many of them, maybe not all of them, but many of them are. Certainly foolish, some of them wicked, right? but they're prosperous. The things that they are doing, they have a lot of views, they have a lot of likes, advertisements, um, endorsements, this types of things, and um, they're prosperous. And for people who are maybe trying to live a godly life, certainly young people, they might be looking at that and then looking at what their parents are telling them, what their pastors are telling them, what the Bible is telling them, and saying, like, something doesn't add up here. He continues on in verse 4, For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not troubled as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain, and violence covereth them as a garment. They wear these things on them, and they, they, they show them off. These things that are... The Bible talks about as being sinful, you know, pride and violence. They they revel in these things. They showcase these things off, and it's it's just part of. I mean, they're they're just prospering. Therefore, their eyes stand out with fatness, and they have more than heart could wish. Um, many people in you know the the media uh, um, reported on in you know social media um, and things like this just living these extravagant lifestyles. And then a lot of them, or maybe not a lot of it, some of them will then turn around and market to vulnerable people, maybe gullible people we might say, and to the extent like, follow my plan and you can have everything that I have. Uh, I was just uh, reading about one such person who has a created a university where it's directed particularly at young men and the whole idea is hey if you you know sign up for my university and it's 30 bucks a month or whatever it is i will teach you all of my secrets and see these lamborghinis see these uh, uh um porsche see all of these you know uh, uh amazing cars that i have see all these women that are all over me see these mansions that i have this is this can all be yours if you pay to sort of follow my advice and I'll give you all my secrets. Um, this is the type of thing that's being sold and this is the type of thing that our young people in particular are vulnerable to, especially if you're trying to raise them in any kind of a godly lifestyle. Um, in some sense, it doesn't, you know, God doesn't have to necessarily enter into this. Um, if you're just trying to instill in them good values, 
a lot of the sort of celebrity culture, the internet culture, the influencer culture is directly against these common sense, good value things. And these people are presumably, at least on the surface, very successful at what they do. And so when you try to tell someone, don't follow that, you know, I've got small children. Uh, my oldest is 13. Try to tell him, don't listen to all of that. Instead, you know, grab that shovel, dig this hole, hard work, study your math, um, you know, nose to the grindstone, eat your vegetables, get some sleep. That's not as glamorous as what is out there, what they can be seeing out there. And so it's a hard sell. Um, so it, it, it really is a hard sell. And so the, the writer of Psalm 73 goes on to say, Behold, these are ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. In verse 13, this is where, uh, up to this point, he's just making an observation, right? It might be an incomplete observation, and we'll see that it is that it is an incomplete observation, but it's just an observation. Now here in verse 13, this is where it turns to uh, a sin, or this is where it turns to sort of the, the slide into sin and maybe turning away from God. And so verse 13, he says, Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. In other words, these things that I'm doing to live for God, to do the right thing, it's all pointless. Right? He's, he's getting a bad attitude. He's believing a lie. Right? He, he makes a an observation that seems to be correct to him. These people are doing wicked, and they're prospering. They're getting rich. And he says, that must mean that all of this stuff that I've tried to do living for God was worthless. I'm wasting my time here. Right? Verse 14 says, For all the day long I have been plagued, and chastened every morning, which is interesting. He doesn't say who's chastening him, but we know elsewhere in the word of God that says, if the Lord chasteneth you, you should be happy. In other words, if he's, if he's um, uh, punishing, maybe is not the right word, correcting you, if he's telling you, no, you're, this is wrong, this is right, if you step out of line, God does something and okay, it's, it's a, you, you can tell that that was a punishment from God. If he's correcting you, if he's speaking to you and you're, and he's saying, I don't like that. I like this. We do this, do not do that. Then he's dealing with you as children. And the whole idea is if God's your father, that's a pretty good deal. We want God to be our father. We want him to treat us as, as children. And so if you are experiencing the chastening of the Lord, the, planet, the the correction of the Lord, you're blessed. This is a, a good thing. If he doesn't do this, he says that you're not really one of his kids because what father, the scripture says, doesn't discipline his child? What kind of child would it be that a father wouldn't discipline? Right? So, so, Possibly this is what he's talking about in verse 14. All along I've, I've been plagued up and chastened every morning. And then verse 15 says, if, if I say I will speak thus, if, if I talk to other people about what I'm feeling inside, if I, if I would let my feelings get out and, and 
that people would know what I'm thinking and feeling and, and seeing. It says, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. People are going to be upset with me. Right? And I think that we have a lot of people in a lot of different churches who are feeling things and thinking things, but they're too afraid to voice those things because part of them knows like this is not right. This is not a good thing. And yet they feel it. They have the doubts. They, they, they don't understand some things and it could be doubts about similar to what ASAF is going through here. You know, why do, you know, bad things happen to good people. Why do good things happen to bad people? Maybe they have doubts about, you know, wait a minute, science is telling me that this is how the world was formed, and but but in church, we're, you know, we hear this is how the world is formed. And maybe they're like, well, I, I just, I can't, I don't feel comfortable bringing it up because I don't want to offend anyone, and, you know, maybe I'm just not faith. That kind of holding back oftentimes poisons a person. And it's it's detrimental to spiritual growth. And verse 16 says, When I thought to know this, or when I was thinking about these things, it was too painful for me. And that statement right there, you know, again, many people, I think there have been times, if you've been living for God any length of time, there have been things where, you, you know, you read about, you pray about, you think about, and it's just, you feel like this, God, this is too painful. This is too painful for me to deal with. This doesn't make any sense to me. The, the Bible is is gets very real uh, a lot of times, and I'm using that in the sort of the, the colloquial sense, where it's 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 uh, real, it's raw, it's um, doesn't pull any punches, it doesn't it doesn't sugarcoat things, it doesn't gloss over things. I I, I always thought that was very interesting. Where you know you you'd either read about or hear about maybe being part of a conversation where uh, someone maybe um, you know maybe on social media maybe there's a post about how uh, you know upset at the Bible or mocking the Bible or saying well you know uh, Abraham you know you know what the Bible says about Abraham you know he was bad he he did this this and that or oh yeah. What about Lot or what about Noah? And um, boy, if you really knew what the Bible said about them, it's like, no, no, we, we know what the Bible says about these men. Like it's in there for a reason. Abraham lied several times. Noah, um, well, I'm not really going to go into what, what happened with, with Noah. I mean, that in some ways it was, wasn't his fault, but in some ways it really was. I mean, he had a, he made some bad decisions um, you know, lots. I mean, we can say all of these. The Bible does not sugarcoat those things. The Bible tells some very real and raw um, problems that human beings have had: lying, stealing, um, you know, uh, um, violence, um, depression. Uh, just all types of things are are all in the Bible, and there is a reason for that. You know, one of the um, people talk about the the story of Jonah, Jonah refusing to um, go to Nineveh. Of course, then he ends up going to Nineveh. He delivers the message that God asked him to li- to deliver to the people, and that was that 
in three days God was going to destroy the whole city. So Jonah delivers this message, and he goes off and he sits on a, a hillside somewhere or sits outside of the city and just watches, waiting for God to destroy the city. Well, the people repent of their evilness and their wickedness. And so God decides to spare them, and Jonah gets mad. He wanted them to be killed. This this prophet of God, right? This is in the Bible. I want all of these people to die, and I'm mad that God had mercy. And that's in the Bible. And someone said, you know, wow, what a terrible person Jonah was. What a terrible prophet. But maybe the, the small little redeeming feature of Jonah was that uh, Jonah wrote the book of Jonah. At least that's what it seems like. And so in other words, so he was telling on himself. He was saying, you know, yeah, this is how I felt. He was just being honest with us. So maybe that, maybe that sort of mitigates something, maybe it doesn't. But there is a disillusionment that people can experience. And we're going to explore that tonight. We're going to see sort of the, um, you know, how the writer of Psalms, if there's any kind of redeeming feature that he, that he, that he, you know, any kind of um, conclusion that he came to. Uh, but we're going to go to a song, and we'll be right back after this. You stepping to the bow of my boat, speaking to the wind and waves, peace be still. Gratitude has overtaken all my thoughts of despair, and the emptiness that once was, Lord, is now a place you fill. And I'm thankful for the faith you placed in me, and that you are almighty. Because when I'm weak, then I am made strong I'm thankful for the blood you shed for me When you died on Calvary Cause when I'm baptized, it removes all my wrong I'm thankful, I'm thankful When salvation was so near So at those times you don't feel like Lifting your voice Remember that Jesus has purchased your choice The praises you offer can set captives free Because where Jesus is There will be liberty But if we do not praise you And shout 
stop me from standing here amazed and in awe of your kindness and compassion where you delivered me from sin and the emptiness within from the immorality nothing else could set me free all the drugs that had me bound so depressed i thought i'd drown all the lies of rock and roll could never heal my wounded soul but you filled me with your spirit and i spoke with other tongues you gave me how to be a witness and the power to overcome now you've given me a new Cause I've been born again of the water and the spirit So that I can enter in into the holiest of holies Cause that's where you choose to dwell Now the covenant is broken with eternal death and hell So if we do not praise you, the rocks will cry out And we owe so much more, so we'll stand up and shout was thankful and this is the tell it like it is radio show you know we're talking about psalm 73 and we're on verse 16 when i thought to know all this it was too painful for me and again there's a disillusionment that people can experience often happens around young adulthood and that's why revelation or revolutions rather whether um, spiritual political um, philosophical they're, they're so often centered around young people, young adults. Um, you know, the hippie movement. Uh, I wasn't, this was before my time, several decades before my time. But um, speaking with people who, you know, that was, they were, you know, contemporaries of that, or that, that, that happened around their lifetime. Um, you know, the idea was that many of these young people who, went off to live life as lives as hippies, they were disillusioned with their the material goals of their parents. Um, they looked at, you know, owning a, uh, you know, a, a, a nice refrigerator and car and, um, you know, a nice lawnmower as just being, you know, having a, a membership at a, at a country club as just being, it's like, there's got to be more to life than this. I don't want to just work to come home to have money to buy a appliance to then, you know, have to go work again to it, it just on and on this, this cycle. Um, that, and many of them thought, you know, I, I want to, you know, experience things. I want to make music. I want to, you know, meet people and, and this type of thing. And, and, um, there's something about 
coming to realize, or maybe thinking that you come to realize, that the world and world systems are not what you were told, are not what you thought that they should be. That life is just not working out the way that you thought. And here, the writer of Psalm 73 was taught that wicked people are cursed. But he saw them being blessed. And so this was a life crisis. This wasn't just him having sour grapes, being grumpy, uh, um, being, being self-pitying about this. This was a crisis. He couldn't express it. He, he didn't know who to talk to. He didn't even want to think about it. It was too painful for him. And so this is where many people stop, and they just give up. Just give up on God in this example. You know, the writer could have added also that uh, maybe there were hurts that he received from um, his, the church or the synagogue, the temple. Maybe there was hurts from a, a pastor or a religious leader, maybe a parent. Uh, just what is the point of serving God any longer? Why go through all of these things? to matter. But this person, this writer of this tried one more time. Verse 17, the whole psalm uh, turns around and someone, you know, there are people who really sort of break down and, and um, verse counts and, and this type of thing. And maybe uh, I didn't really do that, but that's what you've got you know, the first 16 verses of the psalm where he's, you know, complaining and, and, and having a problem with the prosperity of the wicked into, what, 28? He, that all turns around. And so there might, maybe there's some, uh, someone could talk about some kind of a significance there. When, and verse 17 says, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I understood their end. Um, this is also significant because what you are looking for, you will find in the sanctuary of God. And sometimes this could be a, uh, a the actual physical place. You could go to a, a church or possibly just, just God's presence. Realize until I went to the, into the sanctuary of God, and then I understood their end. It wasn't that he was completely wrong about what he was viewing. He didn't have the, the full picture. He didn't have the full understanding. He didn't consider their end. And he goes on to say in verse 18, Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How they are brought into desolation is in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a day when one waketh, O Lord, when thou wakest, despise their image. You know. Well, it's well known that there are high substance abuse rates among famous people. Uh, a, a, a high uh, incidence of dysfunction in general, in you know, in um, in actors and actresses, um, musicians, entertainers, uh, politicians, um, 
in our nation's capital. The Senate, um, lots of drinking, lots of alcohol abuse. Um, at a state level, this is the case. A lot of drinking. And, um, you know, you think about also like lottery winners, right? It's well known, right, that, that a huge portion of lottery winners, maybe maybe um, a significant portion, maybe more than, than half, uh, go broke very soon after winning the lottery, winning large sums of money. And everyone always thinks, well, I'd like a crack at that at least. You know, I'd, I'd like to be the exception. Um, but, I mean, the odds are probably you won't be the exception. Of course, the odds are you're not going to win. But, um, but just, a, you know, a tremendous, they end up, you know, poor. Um, a lot, there's a lot of times there's death. There's, uh, again, substance abuse. And there's a reason for that. Um, and we could read this, these verses, you know, 18 through 20, as gloating or happy at this outcome. But perhaps not. God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. People do. God doesn't. God does not. And that is not to say that he won't judge them or that there isn't consequences to sin. 33 and 11. Um, and this is all Old Testament stuff, right? People want to draw some kind of bright line between you know, the Old Testament judgment, lightning bolt throwing God, and the New Testament lovey-dovey hippie God. Um, it's the same God. And God has judgment and God has mercy. All and so in Ezekiel 33:11, this is God speaking uh, to Ezekiel, saying, Say unto them, them being the Israelites, As I live, saith the Lord God, in the death of the wicked, the wicked turn away from his sin and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? God views things so different than people. And, I, and I'm glad he does. Obviously, the critic, the atheist, would say this is just you know God's just a made up concept of mankind. If if humans were to make up a God, and they have many times, various ways, the God of the Bible is not someone they would make up. And I don't have time to get into all of the different facets of God. Um, this would be probably a whole series that someone would. Or, or you know, if they're if they're going to tackle something like this, but this is certainly one thing that it's so against m- most of our our concepts. This idea that could be so wicked, so deserving of death that we might, you know, in in, in our society, and there are things I believe that people can do that would be that would make them. Uh, deserving of like death, uh, maybe you're against capital punishment. That's a whole other thing. Um, but God looks at it as having people chance to turn away. This is all throughout the Bible. Uh, Ezekiel thirteen twelve says, "Therefore, continues on therefore, thou son of man, say unto the children of thy people, the righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him." the day of his transgression. Just because someone's living righteously, decides to sin, 
and say, well, I'm a good person. I mean, I know I did, I did this sin and that sin, but you know, I'm a good person, so God, you're just going to have to forgive me. That's not how that, that works, he's God's saying. As for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall thereby in the day that he turneth from his wickedness. If he changes his mind, repents, God will forgive them, or forgive him. The righteous person, he, he changes his mind and decides to go evil, to go bad. He can't then say, well, I lived a righteous life all these years, so you, you know, we're going to have to go, you can't judge me, Lord. He goes on to say, neither shall the righteous be able to live for his righteousness in the day that he sinneth. When I, when I shall say to the righteous that he shall surely live, if he trusts in his own righteousness and commit iniquity, all his righteousness shall not be remembered, but for his iniquity that he hath committed, he shall die for it. Again, when I say to the wicked, thou shalt surely die, if he turn from his sin, if he, if he turn from his sin and do that which is lawful and right, if the wicked restored the pledge, give again that he had robbed, walk in the statues of life without committing iniquity or without committing sin, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of his sins that he had committed shall be mentioned unto him. And he that and he hath done that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live. Again, it's it's all down to what, how are you living now? God is full of mercy now. And so, this is different than what God would, uh, what, what a, a, a man's idea of, of God would be. In fact, he goes on to say in verse 17, there's a response from the children of Israel. And they say, uh, yet the children of thy people say, the way of the Lord is not equal. But as for them, their way is not equal. When the righteous turneth from his righteousness and committeth iniquity, he shall even die thereby. But if the wicked turn from his wickedness and do that which is lawful and right, he shall live thereby. And yet they say, the way of the Lord is not equal. O house of Israel, I will judge you, everyone, after his ways. They don't like this idea that God would uh, forgive a wicked person. But this is what God's looking for. And so God is not happy when the wicked die. That said, Proverbs 11.10 uh, says, When it goeth well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there is shouting. So, for people, from our perspective, um, you know, you know, there have been um, people often celebrate when the wicked perish. Sometimes we'll read about or or see celebrations when dictators are brought down or, or executed and this type of thing. And I think it's pretty understandable. We can, you know, easily be caught up being disgusted with our culture and the wickedness that we see in it. This is a culture that wants our kids. We're going to talk a little bit about that uh, right after this next one.
song was called the captain i love that song i, I mean i like the, the the music of it the the melody but i i love the um the the message the words in, the, in that song that was that's by bill farron I, I know you can get his um music online uh, i don't know if it's on spotify or, or what but um yeah, bill farron the captain that was that talking about um god is not happy when people when bad people perish 
but you know, sometimes people are, right? Because we see the wickedness of our culture. And again, it is a culture that wants our kids. I've seen various teachers post things on the internet where they will talk about how they are teaching their students about um, different things like uh, different genders, different gender expression, and how the young people, they say, quote-unquote, get it more than their parents do. And they'll, so they'll say, they, so the kids will be fine with the teacher saying, you know, I'm non-binary, and some people might identify different than they look, uh, maybe even as an animal, and they'll be like, yeah, the, the kids, I mean, they, they don't have a problem with it. And it's like, yeah, right. That is the point of protecting our children because they don't have the capacity to understand that some of these, some of these things. So they'll just accept it. Right. And that's how training works. Right. The young mind is very easily moldable and everyone understands that. And everyone seems like uh, is, is vying to, to mold it in a particular way. There was some uproar recently in, in Dickinson regarding a particular book, or maybe there were several books that were in the library. And some people and parents uh, were concerned with exposing their, their children um, to you know things that they felt weren't appropriate. The um, and some people, I'm getting a note that says I have to put a, a microphone pad thing on here. So, okay, maybe did, I don't know if that that might have changed something. I don't know. We'll, we'll try that. Um. All right. The uh, so uh, some people were worried about the exposure that these these children could have uh, to this information, and some people were concerned about the censorship aspect of it. I don't have a lot of details on that, but. What I was, um, along those lines, I was reading about the, the genesis of what has been known as Drag Queen Story Hour. Um, if you've never heard of this, then I, I, I'm envious of you. Um, but this is the idea where there'll be a man dressed up as a woman. And I'm going to talk a little bit about some things that I'll, I'll, I'll be very careful here because I know that there are some children uh, listening, but if you don't want them in the room, we're going to be talking about drag queen story hour for just a little bit here. Um, so this will be a, a man who's dressed up as a woman and will come in and read a book to children at the library. Uh, and I don't know that that's happened at, in Dickinson, but this is a thing that's throughout our nation. This will be um, uh, school districts will, will spend uh, taxpayer money to fund this, to have these people come into their schools. There's several hundred thousand dollars uh, of funding in New York um, for this this type of thing. I wouldn't be surprised if other if other um, you know places have had this as well. But um, you know this this idea is probably something that five years ago, ten years ago, if I would be saying this on the radio. Most people would think that I'm completely making this up. The idea that libraries would would have this as sort of a, a function uh, for their children. The um, the college professor that came up with this, Harris Kornstein, um, you know, came up with this idea, wrote a book 
a couple children's book books, one entitled The Hips on the Drag Queen Go Swish, Swish, Swish. Um, and um, he, he, that's a book that he wrote. He sits on the board of Drag Queen Story Hour. It's a nonprofit organization founded in 2015 to promote, quote-unquote, family-friendly drag performances and has expanded to 40 chapters in, and, um, in, in the United States. And so he published a, a pamphlet or, or some writings on this uh, movement called Drag Pedagogy or Drag Teaching, the Playful Practice of Queer Imagination in Early Childhood. And he writes, this is from that writing, um, the professional vision of educators is often shaped to reproduce the state's normative vision of its ideal citizenry. In effect, schooling functions as a way to straighten the child into a kind of captive alignment with the current parameters of that vision. And he later says, to state it plainly, within the historical context of the USA and Western Europe, the institutional management of gender has been used as a way of maintaining racist and capitalist modes of reproduction. And so the, his idea is that how it's kind of been in the past, you know, there's a, there's a boys, there's girls, there's men, there's women. That was actually a construct that schools and society used to maintain racism and capitalism. And so what he, his group is trying to do, and they're writing this down, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're putting this out there. This is not, I mean, this is their words. Um, so you can like it, you can dislike it. This is what they're saying, right? They're, so they're proposing to teach a new method, drag pedagogy or drag teaching. Pedagogy means teaching, right? As a way of stimulating, stimulating queer imaginations, uh, teaching kids how to live queerly. Uh, again, this is their words. And bringing, quote, queer ways of knowing and being into the education of young children. I'm having a little hard time doing this because when I grew up, um, some of those words were used as like uh, uh, slurs. Like, so they, like, um, um, they were, you know, uh, you would make fun of someone by calling that, them that name or have that, you know, that hurled at you. And so um, it's difficult for me to just read this as like, this is like language that they're, that they're using. And, he goes on to say, building in part from queer theory and trans studies, queer and trans pedagogies seek to actively destable the normative function of schooling through transformative education. This is a fundamentally different orientation than movements towards the inclusion or assimilation of LGBT people in the existing structures of school and society. So when they say it's about inclusion, he says it's really not about inclusion. This is a, they're doing this for a reason, not to just make everyone, you know, love is love. We don't want to hurt anyone. We want people to just to feel like they can be their authentic selves. It's not that, or it's not just that, but it's to actively, again, their words, to stabilize the normative or normal function of schooling through transformative education. And though drag queen story hours are often billed as family-friendly events, Kornstein explains that this is a form of a code. And he writes, again, his words, 
It may be that Drag Queen Story Hour is family-friendly in the sense that it is acceptable, accessible and inviting to families with children, but it is less a sanitizing force than it is a preparatory introduction to alternate modes of kinship. In other words, he's not really interested in it being like, you know, um, uh, what would you say, sort of fine for, you know, rated G entertainment for, for kids and families. Like, that's fine. But what we're really trying to do here is it's we're preparing something. We're pre- preparing introduction into this alternate lifestyle. And he goes on to say here, Drag Queen Story Hour is, quote, family-friendly in the sense of, quote, family as an old-school queer code code to identify and connect with other queers on the street. In other words, this is your family now. It's family-friendly. It's in the, in the queer family is what he would say. And so we know that training children when they're young is very effective. And the Bible is clear about, uh, on that, right? The, the Bible is about indoctrinating, so to speak, your children. Right? You're supposed to teach them when they're young, when, you know, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, now shalt love the Lord, and on and on. Like, train them this way, right? And then uh, teach them when they're young, and when they're old, they shall not depart from it, right? These are verses that we're all very familiar with. The Bible is very clear on that. And so it's not really any surprise that people with maybe uh, differing views from the Bible are going to pick up on that same thing. Uh, think about also some of the most popular apps that kids have, like TikTok. China, I just learned this, has a very different TikTok than what they supply to America. So, so TikTok is a Chinese company. And so if you would if you get TikTok on your phone on the airplane in America and you're scrolling through TikTok, by the time you reach China, if you, if you log on to the Chinese version of it, it's completely different. And they, their version in China that they allow their children to watch is sanitized. It's science videos. It's animal videos. And in America, it's not like that. I don't have TikTok. I've seen TikTok. I, I'm aware of what it, what it is. Not everything bad. Not everything on TikTok is bad, but, uh, it's, I would say that probably most things on it are not good. And we are freely drinking from that poisoned well. Like we see them pumping in the poison and we see them drinking from the clean water and we just shrug our shoulders and pour a nice tall glass for our little children from the poisoned well. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil that put darkness for light and light for darkness that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This is probably the, um, the Bible verse of our age. Right? We, so we see this stuff going on around us and it can be discouraging. But like I said, the, 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 the writer of Psalm 73 goes to the house of the Lord, gets in, in, in communion with the Lord and realizes something. And he goes on in verse 21 where we left off. He says, Thus my heart was grieved and I was pricked in my reins. You know, I, I was so enamored with all of this, you know, all of their wealth, their riches, and I was so upset that it seemed like living for God had, was not helping anything. And then I went to the house of God and I realized, oh wait, they're going to be 
they're going to have a problem. God's judgment is on these people. He says, I, I, my heart was grieved. I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. You ever, ever feel stupid? Like you were convinced one particular way or, or belief and then it was like a light bulb went off and you realized you had it completely wrong? God does that a lot to me. He goes on to say, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast hold me by thy right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, that they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee, but it is good for me to draw near God, near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord that I might declare all thy works. We can't just be against. We have to be for something. right? It's not enough to just see the wicked and sort of tisk and shake our head. Uh, we've got to be for something. We have to uh, we have to proclaim. Um, we have to declare his works. There's two reasons. One, for your own well-being. Delight yourself in the Lord. Um, you know, it's David encouraged himself in the Lord. Be happy we have salvation. Right? It's not just grumbling all the time about the, the sin of the world. It's, it's rejoicing in the blessings of God and the holiness of God. Give thanks at the remembrance of his, of his holiness. Um, and then two, many people, many non-Christians, uh, they get it. They see the problem too. And that's actually the interesting thing. I don't have time to get into all of the different things, but I remember first coming into the church as an 18 year old young man, having my own issues and thinking, you know, I need, I know I need God. Here are the things in my life I need to line up with. But I would hear this preaching about, you know, things that were, that the, the preacher said were sin and I kind of shrugged my shoulders. I was like, well, okay, fine. It, that doesn't seem that bad to me. You know, I, this other stuff that I'm doing, yeah, I get it. I need to repent in this. But some of it's kind of like, eh, it seems like you're, you're, you know, splitting at hairs, pastor. You're, but, but okay, you're my pastor, so we'll, we'll go with it. I see it now. Trust me. I see it now. I see the problems now. I see where some of these things where it was like little, even maybe back then. But the idea was, where was the direction? And now in 2022, soon, soon to be 2023, if the Lord tarries, um, we've got problems in our culture. And there are other people, non-Christians, that they see it too. But if they then see, yeah, this is terrible. Oh, and here is a bunch of people fighting against it, and they are joyful, and they are blessed, and they are grateful, and they are thankful. It's going to be so much more appealing to them than having a, a dour, angry attitude all, all the time. You know, uh, arms crossed, told you so. There will be more opportunity to share the gospel. They'll be more likely to listen to what you have to say. So in some ways, I'm not exactly sure how to end this, but I know I have to end it because we're coming up on time here in just a few seconds. And so um, we'll probably just leave it there. Uh, next Sunday, uh, Lord willing, um, actually, I think we may even might have another guest speaker. It won't be me, but it'll be someone else. So um, in the meantime, 
I love this song too. Crystal song will play this. So God bless you, everybody. Be safe. Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The preceding program was brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio.